All right, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Brianna, but I go by Nala X. And so welcome to this special, special, special episode of the podcast. Um, I have very, very powerful people here with me coming straight to you from Detroit and South Carolina. I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Well, my name is Fatima Ali. I'm from Detroit, and I'm so happy to be here with y'all. Greetings, greetings. I'm the host of Red Baron of Boots on the Street Podcast. Happy to be here. Y'all catch my show on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, Boots on the Street Podcast. Okay. And y'all also can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Blacks with Blacks. That's all together. Blacks with Blacks represents unity, love, and respect for your kind. That's what's up. Always. Okay. And the reason why I brought all of us together is because we've all been protesting out there standing up for our people in different cities and one thing that i noticed is a lot of our experiences are very different but at the same time very much the same um i was out here in atlanta they ended up putting the city on curfew and everything we've been out there every single day not me personally i've probably been out there like three four times but as a whole we've been out there every single day and i don't see it stopping soon um, what about you in Detroit? Are they how often are they out there? Detroit is out every single day. Um, and when you say Detroit, it's the whole Michigan. Um, they're out in different cities. Um, Detroit is just the main city in Michigan, so everyone's talking about that, and it's a, a bigger uh, protest because it is downtown Detroit. But um, like you mentioned, yeah, they end up giving us a eight o'clock curfew as well. Um, the protest has just been so powerful for me. Um, because even though um, I study the Black Nation and, um, you know, I do have friends who uh, do, do the same thing, I'm not around a bunch of people who is, has a conscious mindset. So just being around those people, um, just feeling like they feel my pain, um, hearing them out, and also coming up with solutions uh, and what we have to do, you know, to get past this was just a, a powerful beautiful experience because as I say I don't see this on a regular basis um as we all know Detroit it's a lot of killing in Detroit so it's not a lot of unity in Detroit so for me to see that downtown Detroit was amazing it's therapeutic yes it was and like I said and there was so many people who was honestly expressing the same pain that I felt inside like you know we all fed up at, at some at some rate and, and we're ready for change Ready for change. Ready for change. I like that. Yeah, we are. What was your experience like down in South Carolina? Well, uh, I went out there Saturday, the first day of the protest, and I arrived like around 1.30. It was supposed to end at 2 o'clock. I watched the NAACP, uh, a few other elderly civil rights movements, uh, organizations was giving their speech, and the crowd really wasn't feeling it. Uh, they wanted more action. Yeah. And when I arrived, somebody said, yo, let's go to the police station. And I just watched hundreds of people shift and start walking through Main Street downtown toward the police station. What the energy was like, it was very energetic. People were very passionate. The crowd was heavily diverse. It was white, black, Hispanics, a lot of college kids. And I want to say that because the image the media was portraying was like these are homeless white kids, but these was USC, University of South Carolina students that was dying there. Benedict, uh, the Black Historical College, it was very energetic. The crowd was diverse. 
Um, the news crew themselves was in our age bracket and younger. And I didn't know it was too there was there weren't no elders down there, like 50, 60. Was, the crowd was from like 40 years old and definitely down. Yeah. Same here. Yep. Yeah, here, same here too. And uh, go ahead, you can finish talking red song. Oh no, I said in the age thing, the, the age bracket also gave me an insight to the change in times and which age group is far more assertive and aggressive about fixing this problem and, and showing what they what they what they're not gonna tolerate for the next twenty or thirty years of their life in this country. That's right. Right. That's Right. That's and right. it was powerful just to see so many people there my age. I know I've seen a lot of people there because I went to Clark Atlanta and you know so I protested here because I still live here in Atlanta and I saw so many people I went to school with, so many people that um were under me and we were all there for one collective reason, um one collect we all had one collective identity at the time, you know, but it was okay for till maybe like around I say nine o'clock. Like it was a whole bunch of police officers and stuff there, but honestly they were very supportive in the beginning. They were allowing us to just express our pain and just be heard. Um, it was, um, I know he went viral right now, but it was a cop here in Atlanta who was even calming down the other cops, just telling them to just like, just go ahead, let them go ahead and express their pain. And um, it was beautiful, but it wasn't until later that people started like um, destroying the CNN center, like throwing rocks and stuff at it. And then also like jumping and stuff like and, and setting police cars on fire. You know, that's when things started to like take a turn for the worse. But the thing that um, I felt like hurt my feelings the most is, of course, with anything, there's going to be people that come out there peacefully. They want to get their point across, and that's it. You know, but then there's always going to be those infiltrators that come out there, and they're doing it for their own personal gain. Like, right. being there in the moment, like, I saw a lot of Black people say, like, calm other people, Black people down and be like, you know what, stop arguing with each other out here. We ain't here for that. Don't do that. This is a setup. You know they want to shoot us. They know they want to seem like you know that we're unruly because that's when the news cameras really started coming in. They got more footage of that part of the protest than the most peaceful parts of the protest. They ain't got no footage of all of the mothers that got in front of the stage and was talking about their sons who died in the hands of APD. They ain't getting none of that, but they got the violence. And I nobody wanted that to take away from our message. And you know who started it? Because I'm an observer. It wasn't us. It wasn't us. The white folks. Mm -hmm. They started right. everything. They, they've been doing that everywhere. They've been doing yeah. that everywhere. Well, the, the one, one of the reasons I, I want to talk about that, because when I got down there, I, I, I just wasn't on the front line. I was able to get over the fence while I was standing next to the police department steps. Damn. I got to look at Sheriff Leon Lott. If you look at my video footage on Facebook, uh, Boots on the Street podcast, Red Baron, you see uh, all my footage of me standing less than a foot from the cop. Behind, I, I was even behind their back with the uh, with the news crew. So okay. I, I was live, and I was beyond front row. at <laughs> a backstage pass. Uh, okay, okay. But, um, but the thing I want to point out was some of the white people in the front row that would agitate the crowd, I think those are what you call Antifa members or independent groups. Right. Um, 
because South Carolina, they, people were hyped up. So I, I didn't see this was going to be a peaceful protest. They were hyped up from the march, walking down there. And I said, this was a young crowd. It was, this was not the We Shall Overcome crowd. Uh, okay, this was, they wanted some, they, this was, they wanted some blood crowd, you know. <laughs> and you got two buildings, the police station in the center, two buildings, one to this left, one to the right, a parking garage. You had people in the top levels of the parking garage on the roof of the buildings. And these like four floor buildings, four or five mm -hmm. floor buildings. I mean, it was deep. So I watched the bottles start, water bottles getting thrown at the police. They was in regular clothing. A couple of the police got hit in the face with items they were carried back inside the station. They turned our cell phone reception off so we could so we couldn't record live. Yeah, yeah. They jammed up our reception and they came out real fast with riot gear on right away to start cracking heads. This is the first day now. And the news crew jumped in and said, no, you're not going to do that. You jammed the reception so y'all could start cracking heads and nobody can't record it. So the news crew jumped in front of the crowd and turned their cameras on on video recording and everything. And that's yeah. when they calm they calm back down again because like, damn, we're being recorded. Right. That's right. So, and but, that but now the second day, all hell broke loose in this okay. city. Okay. They, they they got pissed then, huh? They came back with a vengeance because they caught a bad L. Uh, the dope boys showed up with like four four box Chevys sitting on twenty eight inch rims. They blocked the cops in on the first day. They blocked, they lined their cars up. And the cops thought they were pushing the crowd back. But what happened was the crowd sat them up. They lured them into a trap. So you mm -hmm. had the, the Chevys blocking them from one way. The cops pushing the crowd, not realizing they're getting sandwiched in. That just shows you they just think with aggression, but not intelligence. Mm -hmm. Then the crowd picked up the fences, came behind the cops, and put the fences down behind the cops. So now the cops are sandwiched in because you got the crowd coming in from the side. There's a fence behind them, and there's Chevys in the other direction block. When they caught that, that bag, got bottles, rocks, bricks, whatever you, they got hit with, they caught it that day. But the second day, they came back with two two tanks, three school bus loads of SWAT team members, state trooper in riot gear, uh, local police from nearby cities and towns. Uh, they came back with bean bags, smoke bombs, uh, pellet guns, and tactical gear on, and they agitated the crowd, and, and I watched them shoot a 40-year-old black boy in the chest with a beanbag. You can go on my Facebook page once again, uh, Boots on the Street podcast, Red Baron, and you can see that also on Periscope, I was recording. I'm also on Periscope, Boots on the Street TV, and I watched the cops came back agitating. And I'm not going to hold you up, but one thing Ice Cube said that was smart was, how are you going to talk about reforming police brutality but when you had a police brutality march, police brutality has taken place. Come on now, speak, speak. I'm just saying, I'm just keeping it real. No, for real. And that's like um, at the protest, I, I did a lot of speaking because you know, a lot of people, they had their Black Lives Matter uh, signs out. And, and, and honestly, you know, we, we passed the whole Black Lives Matter. We, it's, it's time for us to start talking about what's real. And I read this book, um, message to the uh, black man in America by Elijah Muhammad. Right. And, uh, what, what Elijah Muhammad is requesting that we separate from our slave master's grandchildren. So, um, you know, the crowd was actually feeling that, you know, because it, it's, it's time. Because, you know, I feel like all this integration is the reason why we're still, um, we're still uh, marching for Floyd, uh, George Floyd. You know, we, we have not, all this bagging them for respect, begging them to integrate in their schools, begging them 
for everything that we need when we have not, like you said, we have not um, came up with a solution to just, you know, separate, get our own schools, get our own banks, like the Black Wall Street. You know what I'm saying? We've done it before. That's what we need to be focusing on now. I don't care if they tell their cops to, um, oh, be nicer to them. That's in the past now. I don't care about that anymore. What we need now is, uh, like I say, black unity, separation. We, I, I, for, for real, I want my uh, my acres and I want my money so I can start my own, uh, you know, my own, uh, my own, my, my own country with my own people. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, to touch on that. Back in the day when Malcolm X was alive, uh, they had they they had proposed, and you can look it up online. Black America, they'll talk about separating the states. It was gonna they're gonna give black people South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. I ain't gotta look it up. It was, it was on the table. It was on the table to be discussed. Uh, the problem is modern day time because my mom was one of the first blacks to integrate the schools in Statesboro, Georgia. Wow. And that day she went there, they set her friend hair on fire on the bus. Um, the problem is, our condition is condition. The problem is, we can't build a nation till we build our families first. That's so right. All we're going to have is a bunch of Negroes <laughs> living together with broken families, That's no right. job training skills. That's why. That's why I promote no economic system. Lack of farming. I used to work on a farm as a kid. I used to come down south from New York, and I drove tractors and I picked crops. Cause my grandparents have two acres, two hundred acres of farmland. They had their own farming company. We had it since the eight. We still own the land to this day. We got a small peanut company, and I watched black get away from that. It was shameful, and and I want to touch on that because this book here I'm holding called Our Kind of People. Okay, who's it by? Lawrence Otis Graham, Inside mm. America's Black upper class and this is the author now okay. i like a lot of things that he has to say but there's a problem with this group inside this book is all the prominent black elite organizations uh fraternities sororities uh business organizations it talks about our most high power elite black people that's behind the scene that you never see i'm not talking about no pub daddy we're talking about right. old money, not new money because bill cosby had a lot of money but he was new money his okay. wife Camille was old money. Come There's on, because you uh, can run through new money with a bad drug habit. Ask Bobby Brown. Uh, but uh, the problem is they only make up 0.3 percent of the black community. And what I learned from reading this book, two things going to happen: you're going to be inspired, or you're going to be offended. There's okay. no medium in there. Because you're right. like, how did they get all these prominent organizations living these elite? Uh, communities and stuff, but they did believe in their blackness because one of the things they, they boast about is you need to be tied to black fraternal organizations. You need to be tied to black colleges, and that means now people would think that these rich black people owe money. Madam C.J. Walker House is on the cover right there. That's her house, creating terms and all that and relaxing. That's her house right there on the cover, which, which is okay. just about where I'm from in New York, I love Madam the Hudson River. Um, I love Oh yeah, de definitely inspirational. But the thing I, I that the thing I didn't um hello go uh, here. The, the thing I didn't appreciate. Sometimes you know some people get fitted because they feel like these people are not on the front line. But there's an aspect of the book where they talk about integrating so much that I felt like they lost a little bit of themselves because they integrated 
so much. And then they created a buffer zone between them and the rest of the black community that was living in poverty, struggling, battling with day-to-day -day issues well, that's, for that's social and economic that's, reasons. That's, that's well, that's that's the issue right there. That's what um uh, Muhammad Ali said. He said, I mean, we get money and now we're thinking that we're better than the next. We don't want to help out our communities. Go back. We forget where we came from. Yeah. So I want to go forward. Yeah, and I was, brag about moving out of our community. I was raised in the We brag about and that's what that that's what I'm sorry. That's what uh Malcolm X said. We brag about leaving our communities. Yeah. Nothing to brag about. Why don't we help fix our communities up? Which is that's if we if we help fix our uh, communities up, a lot of black people here in Detroit would not want to move out to cities such as Lincoln Park, where it's a, pre a predominantly white neighborhood because there's peace there. You know what I'm saying? We need to create peace in our own cities. We could also create our own problems because, like, okay, so the problem is the fact that we're so disunified. And so if everybody has to play a part, it's okay. Everybody doesn't have to be a protester. Because if you're scared, right. I would honestly rather you stay home because at the protest, it was a lot of people that were scary. And then at the drop of a dime, they just start running because they thought they heard something. And now 50 people running with you. And now right. they're in a whole weird situation. You know, so if you can't, I would rather you stay home. But what are you good at? Okay, you're a good teacher. Okay, so maybe you can go back into the community and teach your brothers the knowledge itself. So that you go out here um, portraying a stereotype and actually becoming a black guy. You know, actually like getting that knowledge itself. So they're not, they're protecting and they're not the aggressor in the community because they feel like that's what they should be doing and they don't know another way. You know, mm. so I think that in the responsibility it really falls on everybody like that. The, the young people, us, our generation, we need to be able to go to the elders and talk to them and figure out, you know, what did you do to become so successful? What lessons did you learn in your lifetime? Okay. And so we got to be willing to listen and they have to be willing to teach. And, and, and you know, and that's what I was just explaining to my friends. Um, you know, a lot of us, we don't have a good relationship with our grandparents. It's not the cool thing to do nowadays. You know, we don't, back in the days, they went over to their grandparents' house at least once a week. You know what I'm saying? Sit, sat there and had hours of conversations with them. I still talk to my grandparents, you know, because like I said, it's, a lot of people like to wait till our grandparents die to try to do the research on the family. Well, you right, had right. the resource, you had the resource right there. You, you, I mean, she lived right around the corner, the next exit up. Why didn't you go over there? She could, she could have told you herself. You know what I'm saying? But now you're doing research on, you know, on the um, family background when you had the resource right there. See, it was a whole pandemic and some people ain't called their grandparents, period. You know, right. that's shameful. That's simple. And so, well, you, oh, sorry. Okay, but they haven't even called them. So I think that that's the thing. I think that we need to be educating ourselves because it's, it's, it's one thing to have this protest, but then after it, it has to be something else. Like that's not the end all be all. And we got to stop putting all of our faith and trust into a system and take that faith and trust and put it in ourselves. We can solve our own problems. You know how many problems would be solved if we all just bought black? Everybody that went to a protest puts money back into our economy. We can open our own schools. We don't have to worry about the white man or the devil teaching our kids. You ain't never lied. Open our own bank. I confront you for your business loan. We've done it already. 
we've done it. But now, like I say, and so how do y'all feel about, I don't mean to cut y'all off, but how do y'all feel about this whole Trump? It's disrespectful, if you ask me. Trump, he's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, starting his rally, and he's well, doing it on June 19th. Well, if that's, that's a significant place for starters, because... Uh, well, I know, I know the background of it, which right. is why it's disrespectful. Right, and that's, and that's, why, that's, that, that's why he's doing it. But, but let's be honest, when has Trump ever been respectful? You, you uh, this, this man moves in a strategic fashion, believe it or not. Like, the things yeah. that he do, and, 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 and by him being a prior, you know, past entertainer, he knows how to get clickbait. He yeah. knows how to do stuff to get people to look and say, hey, look what he's doing over there. But yeah. I want to touch on something right quick. Uh, they say every time an elderly black person dies, a library dies, mm. meaning that it holds so much knowledge and wisdom. You're right. You're right. But once again, we have to look at family. Huh? I say I ain't never heard it that way, and that's powerful right there, my brother. And, and, and another thing, and I said, it goes back to family structure. Because I grew up in an era where I had a big mama. Big okay. mama was over 100-something years old. There's no big mamas today. There's no big mamas in the, in the communities today because, first of all, our families are scattered all over the goddamn place. You can't have black entrepreneurship if you tied up in child support court paying fees. You can't have black entrepreneurship if you struggling to put food on the table for your two or three kids because you, there's no man in the house. You ain't know? never so it, it go and, and if we quote uh, the NOI, Farrakhan, you know, talked about it too. He said, "No nation can rise no higher than its women." Period. Whenever they lose women, at they're gonna be loose men. Right. So now my thing is, now, now, now here, now, now here is the issue right there. A lot of us black people, we separate from our home at an early age. And I'm, I, my question is, why? We're, we're like one of the only nations who do it. We like, mean by separating, like, like at teenage I'm, years, or are you talking about like divorce or whatever? Teenage years, we leave the well, home. I, I don't, I don't think that's the problem. That's not the problem because I went off to college at 17 and never came back. Because my family built me up, the, me and my sister up to stand independent on our own feet. I was working since I was 14. I was working but, in fields, younger than that. But Barrett, there's nothing wrong, Barrett, there's nothing wrong with that. Barrett, it's, it's, Barrett, it's, Barrett, it's, Barrett, Barrett, you wasn't going to college. Barrett. Right, right. And if you don't want to go to college, you got trade school. But like, we'll touch on that later, too, because what it all comes down to is access Barrett. to wealth. That's why I go Barrett. back to this book here. Can I ask you something, Red? Yeah. Didn't you say that your family um, come from wealth? They have their own businesses and they have their own land. So, so, I, I, so I, I, your situation is a tad bit different. Yeah. Whereas people who, who do not have that in their homes, staying at home will probably be more healthy, will be more better for them because they can build, save up a lot of money, and then they'll be able to build their own business as a family. What's that's it, but that, that's if they want to be an entrepreneur because psychological studies show people that have an entrepreneur mindset has a certain gene and chemical in their brain that motivates them to be entrepreneur. Everybody's not designed to be an entrepreneur. Some people are designed to fall in, in line and might be a great manager of a company, but not an entrepreneur of the company. Now, my, my family, like now my family uh, the history with my family wealth, that had nothing to do with my college education because before that, I went off track in life. I went sideways as a teenager at one point in my life with all that stuff. You know, I was out there in the streets at one point. And that's what I got my that's why I got the ball to be a revolutionary. Huh? Yeah. I said that was your choice, but your right. family. Well, to, to some degree. It was it was survival instincts too, because even though my family was uh could see once again, 
people gotta understand wealth. Because mm -hmm. today, today, today media, we got a misperception of what wealth really is. When you watch VH1 Love and Hip Hop, or you on I, uh, Instagram and you see all the entertainers with these cars and stuff. Yeah, my family, my my fam my family had worked for themselves, but they wasn't upper middle class people. They were just they, they were just country black people that were fortunate enough. Cause my great grandfather came from the Caribbean, and, they didn't and, and he, he he bought he bought that land, but he went through hell getting that land with the Ku Klux Klan. We still got houses back there on that land with bullet holes in it from the Klan. So it wasn't no easy smooth smooth riding. Even when my grandparents died, we had white folks come out there the day of the funeral and want to buy the land off of us. Right. And, and but what I'm saying is a lot of us don't even have land, uh, Brett, which is why I feel like, you know, uh, you know, we we if we don't build as a family, we don't save as a family. Like, like you said, individually, it's, it will take us years to do that. It will take us years. Well, let me, let me give you let me give you an insight. Actually, a lot of black people have land. But I'm going to tell you what happened. And, and uh, this was going on right now in South Carolina in the low country area. In the 60s, then this is when people need to talk to the elders. In the 60s, a lot of black left and went up north. And they left they, a lot of their family members back down south or the, the ones that chose to stay because they were working on the land and stuff, right? So over generation, people get married to other people. They move right. to other states. They don't teach their kids. Because at one point, the black community got on some bougie shit. It was like, yo, in the, eight, in the early 80s, they got bougie. You know, it's just, it's just things shift culturally amongst the black community and stuff. So they didn't teach their kids about grandma or great-grandma or your Uncle James down in South Carolina in Charleston or James Island, got 10 acres of land down there, and now he's struggling with paying the taxes on it. And what happened is this is how the white people are getting the land today because land don't grow no more. Land don't grow no more. And how, how they got it was black people, oh, I'm in New York, dog. I ain't going down south. Fuck them, so That's slave territory. I ain't going down there. You know, so what happened was, they, they, didn't, they didn't check on the family land. And when the family member down there couldn't afford the taxes on it, it went to the courthouse. And here come the white man said, oh, them Negroes done so broken up, they don't even know. Because that's what they still call it down here. They don't even know that they got 10 acres of land and the taxes owed on it is only $200. The country also terrorized them to the point where so they had to move and give up that land. Well, I mean, you're talking about an older era. But you talk, you're talking about older era, but I'm talking about right now, if you go on the books in South Carolina, buy land, Georgia, buy land. Right now, buy land, you see a lot of people losing their land because they're not paying taxes. On you our know, land, it's, it's $1,200 on that 200 acres of land. On the land that I own that's 10 acres, it's $250 on, it, on the land that my sister and I own that we inherited from my dad when he passed away, right? Let's say me and my sister just say, fuck it, we're going back up north, and we don't pay on that land. You could go down to the courthouse, and if I pay $75, all you owe is the balance on it. And now you got it. So there ain't nobody getting terrorized. I was just in down there in Buford a few months ago. And there's a trailer park with black people living in that I know that, that trailer park. I used to go to Buford in the summertime when I was a kid, and they just built a giant brand new hotel across from it. I was talking to the old man. He said, man, we lost about 15 acres of land because the people, kids, didn't know their parents had land down here. They weren't paying taxes on it. You ain't, you ain't lying. So that's like my, my great-grandmother. She actually um, had land in Arkansas. And I, I just so happened to ask her, I said, you know, do you have any land down south? She said, yeah, I have uh, land in Arkansas. I said, well, why, you know, why you not down there? Why you not, you know, making something out of it? 
And, and what Brianna said, she she's scared. When she left Arkansas, she did not want to come back. She didn't care about that property. They had terrorized her and her family so much to the point where she, she doesn't care. Everybody who's in Arkansas, they're dealing with it. She wants no part of it. She didn't even tell her people in the North because she don't even want us to go down there and take advantage of it because how terrorized uh, she is. But we got to get past that hump because that, that's our that's our responsibility. Like they have to get past that hump. Nobody taught them what to do with it. And so that's another thing that goes back to us having a unity because there are a lot of people that are very, they know a lot about real estate and know exactly what to do with that land and how to flip it and how to sell it to other corporations and companies. But, you know, that's not something that's commonly taught in school. So a lot of people, they'll be sitting on a gold mine and don't even know. And so they'll get finessed into selling it. So that goes back into us, like knowing our roles and teaching each other and raising up strong kings and queens in our community so that we can know what to do if we have that situation. But me personally, being from Baltimore and living in Atlanta, I don't even know anybody that has land or access to it. Is your family in Georgia, the great extent of your family? No. What state? Baltimore. Maryland. So, I mean, what's, what's the origins of the state? They've been living in Baltimore. They've been living in South Carolina, but I'm telling you, they don't have land. Everybody doesn't have land. That's what I'm saying. More, more often to, in my world than not. But I think that also, like, just going back to solutions. Come on. It would just be more so lucrative if, like, all of it, because we already know what the school system has taught people and we already know what the school system did. And so I think that it would be helpful if we were to teach people what to do in certain situations, like how to interact with the police, how to police your own community. Like I wouldn't even be against um, the Black Panthers coming back, not this new Black Panther party, you know, that's, no. that's um, hugging and taking pictures with um, the police <laughs> and stuff like that. I think that's you know, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that was weird. That was very never seen Harry P. Newton doing that. Bobby Seals doing that. No, I, you know, Bobby Seals still alive too. I would love to know what he thinks about that. But um, I think that it would be helpful, like if we even train people in our community, because we have a lot of strong, fearless black men in our community. So we do. If, if it was a situation like we give them a sense of purpose, like, hey, okay, I love the person that you're becoming, but I think that it would be helpful if you were the police your community and we could we could even pay you. We can pay you, we can use the money. Um if if if, if I got a ten thousand followers and I'm a leader, right? If I tell people to give me twenty dollars a week, I can pay their salary. I'm creating jobs, which is great, which is lowering crime in the community because the most crime that's committed in certain communities is economic, low income communities, because they don't have the, the means that they need to survive. And we could just say, okay, so you monitor all police interactions. You make sure nothing's happening. Because I'm pretty sure a lot of people would do that. Well, you talk about defunding the uh, what would the defunding the police force look like in the 21st century? And I was building with my frat brother on that. I said, yo, man, I said, you know, you could eliminate all this stuff. I said, the problem is you got this large, gigantic militarized police force. Each night or each three times out the week they shift rotate so you got new cops patrolling a different area don't know the people in there also you don't know that cop motive and characteristic trait why they want it to be in law enforcement 
to begin with. Some cops actually signed up to buzz heads. I seen it myself in law enforcement. Just like when I was in the army, I seen people actually sign up to kill. That was it. Hey, I can kill people for free and not go to jail. I'm joining the army, you know? But uh, what you want to do is break up this police force, even if you want to do something like community policing. I say like down here in South Carolina, I live on a street called Leesburg Road, it's a community. I don't know the numbers of how many people here, but all you really need is a police hub of maybe 15 cops to patrol, let's say roughly a 15 mile radius, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need a force of over thousands or something with tanks, M16s, all this other stuff, because that becomes an incentive to turn up, so to speak, for the cop to turn up and act a fool. Because now he know he, he backed up with all these weapons, all these other cops and everything. And because that's, that's what they're actually talking about when they're talking about defunding the police force, not actually doing away with them, but maybe leaving pockets of them in certain mile radius. And that's their radius. That's their hub. They don't take care of nothing else in the county. Now, in terms of getting our own people to police, once again, we're talking about building an actual community. And I say what that looked like, that's an education, educational facility like a school, a financial institution like a bank or a credit union. Like I was talking to some Moore's brothers about that. I said, we should, I said in New York, when I was in the 80, 1985, this happened back in New York. Uh, it was a problem aromatic area called The Hill. A lot of people getting killed up there, that's the first time I ever seen somebody get shot and killed in that neighborhood. Um, a lot of drug dealing going on. This is the 80s, right? So the Muslims moved in. Orthodox Muslims, they moved in, right? They came deep, like 300 deep, literally. They took over a whole apartment building, rented it out, and they all moved in there. They took over three floor houses, like four of those, and moved in there too, right? Then they ran the drug dealer off, started setting up where they were selling oils and other things on each corner in this in this hood area. I mean, they took over. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you what happened to them. you think that they were able to do that? Well, because they had a community amongst themselves hmm. that was separate from the community. Remember I said they moved in. Right. They moved in. And, 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 and they, they inspired a lot of other people that was already living there to either join them or get right and do something similar. But what happened was, remember I told you, our people condition is conditioned. That made a lot of people uncomfortable. That's right. So what they started doing was going back, calling ICE on some of these people. You don't know if they're American citizens. Start complaining over here, doing this over here. Before you know it, within four years, they ran those people out. Less than uh, three weeks of them being gone, the drug dealers came back. The crime came back. Less than three weeks. They even, I'm going to tell you what they also did when they were living there. They went down to the credit union at the end of the project area. We live here now. What special interest rate can you give us for open up accounts if all 300 of us open up accounts at your credit unit? What loans can you give us for additional businesses? And you know what? Um, you know, the problem I see in Detroit, you know, a lot of black men are not trying to do things like that in Detroit. It's, you see more black women leaders than you see black men leaders. And I feel like it's time for our men, our black American men to stand up. I mean, you know, we all are leaders in our own ways, but at the end of the day, they're gonna take that black American man serious before they take that black American woman serious. You know, it's just, we, we need more protection. We don't, I personally don't feel protected in Detroit by our black men. I mean, half of them are disrespecting the woman. Um, they're, they're into, um, you know, 
other things than focusing on what we need to do to be a better nation. I think well, you don't know, just that that to love they don't you said what? Nobody taught them how to love themselves. Right, and that's and, and, and that's why I say it starts at home. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of us were not, um, didn't grow up in a household where our parents told us, oh, I love you, or, you know, even gave them a hug or a kiss. You know what I'm saying? Good night. A lot of us was just like, you know, disrespected growing up, you know? I can't explain it, but, you know, and also we were just taught to hate people who look like us, whether if they said something smart to us that we cuss them out or, you know, this is the this is the probably neighborhoods that you know what I'm saying that I'm referring to. Um, it's just it's it's just time for change, and I say it starts at home. Our parents need to start expressing love to our our, our children, educating our children, um, and also, like I said, staying at home longer um, to create a, a foundation. So when they do separate from the home, you know, they will have something to you know you know to you know um, hold on to until you know they get into whatever they want to get into or if they want to continue the family business or whatever else you know what i'm saying well we like to it goes back into once again uh black people need access to wealth when you look at the data and i, I look at statistics and data because that's what create policies and yeah. race yeah. policies yeah um the data black people are declined loans business loans at a higher exponential rate than any other group of people in this country. You get people that come here and they get off the boat or plane and been here for less than three years and they got districts and all type of loans they get approved for. Black Now, black person will get an auto loan. Why? Because that auto loan puts you in debt. Mm-hmm. It's easier to get an auto loan than a house loan. It is. The house loan is property and gives you some type of wealth to stand on. Mm-hmm. Auto loan, you're in a seven year car loan. Right. With high ass interest rate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'll, they'll, they'll give you that auto loan at a heartbeat, but they won't give you that, that housing loan. You know, and, and, and back to black men and jobs and me being, you know, a <laughs> man of age in, in a working profession, Farrakhan talked about this too on uh, Let Us Make Man. That tape mm-hmm. came out in 1994. If you have to look it up on YouTube, his speech and stuff, he talked about it. And he talked about how. Black men today, which he said it back then, is definitely happening at a larger rate now. How on I go for a job, is they will give the black woman the job over the black man because you kill two birds with one stone. We got a black and we got a minority. Yeah. And where that leaves the black man at? Out the door. And depending on the field he in, the Hispanic's gonna get the job over him. Depending on the environment he in, the gay man is going to get the job over him. And the reason why I said the gay man is because, man, I'm not knocking gays, but once again, I deal with data and statistics, and we're going to talk about healing our community. Let's put, let's put it on the table. The Red Baron don't step around nothing. Gay men are known for making higher salaries, living in better communities than straight black men. Why? Because gay black men not a threat to nobody. He's not going to put a child in the best school next to the white folks and stuff because he ain't got no kid. You're not going to move that black woman in the upscale community. Why? Because he ain't in the women. So most of his money goes straight to his pocket and himself. He's not a threat. He's not nation building. That's right. You ain't never lied. He ain't nation building. My thing about it is, brother, 
but how long are we going to keep crying about what's holding the black man back? I mean, when do we come up with our own systems? For real, us black women, we need our black men to come up with something to, so we can get out of this situation. I mean, the Muslim woman, she has her man who, who's in charge. The Mexican woman, she has her man who's in charge. And Asian they have woman. these same issues. I mean, for real, America do not like uh, none of the brown uh, people. You know what I'm saying? So when are when can I trust the black trust that the black man is gonna put all that sympathy talk away? And, and let's start to get past that, and let's start talking about what can we do as a nation to get past this? Because the woman is relying on y'all, believe it or not. You know, we 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 just you know what I'm saying. We need our well, man. That, that's well, we're, we're we're there, sister. But often time when you talk about the black community, you talk about one segment. And that's the problem community. That's why when politicians come around, the Democrat party, when they come around during election time, they only focus on poverty stricken blacks. They don't realize, the, and that's how, hold, hold, right, 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 quick. they don't realize black America is a diverse community. And in black America, there's different issues. All of us don't have the same issue. That's why you don't see all of us out there protesting. Because a lot well, of us don't, don't, don't see this as an issue. And this goes back into this, when you read this book, that's why I said this is a very interesting book that covers a lot of topics that we're talking about. And what I mean by that is lower black class blacks are dealing with racism, police brutality, yeah. housing. Yeah. Middle class That's blacks are dealing with education, jobs, yeah. and stuff. Upper class blacks, elite black that you barely come in, come across, but they're out there. They're worried about white flight and the glass ceiling in corporate America. So those are, so that shows the black community is heavily diverse with different issues upper yeah, middle class blacks they're not dealing with divorce yeah and the reason and, and hold right quick and the, and the reason for that is because like farrakhan said is certain groups of people learn to date with a science that came from farrakhan he said the black community don't date with a science meaning we go out and get somebody because they got a big dangling and green eyes and curly hair and they look like i'll be sure you know or or she got a big butt and and she could perform certain sexual activity i like her i'm going to impregnate her and I might not marry her because we don't have nothing else in common once the sex fails. So we don't date with a, a science. But also, if you're going to talk about black family, you also got to look at institutional stuff that really do hinder black family. I worked as a marriage and family counselor for over 15 years. And I, okay. what I learned is that the family court system target black families, particularly lower middle class black family, that is. They target them specifically because when you go down there on Tuesdays, is all these black men lined up for child support and then the that 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 liberal devil come out there and tell black women, say he hit you. That's domestic violence. I can get you section eight. Yeah. Food stamp. Say so he hit you. Even man didn't hit her. It comes back down to the whole family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like women, us women, we can't keep like you said, we can't keep accepting these programs that you know that's designed to, you know, uh kick our um um our men out of the house. I'm sorry. No, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You know, so it, it's not just the reason why. You know, I, I put so much pressure on the black men because they are the original leaders. You know what I'm saying. But as a family, we have a lot of work to do. Whereas, um, you know, like the woman, the reason why our man is um leaving our um uh, us and going to uh, you know the white woman or the masculine woman or whoever else because they say, oh, the black woman is mean or you know we we're not uh, loving enough. Um, you know, we want to be in control, you know, where, where I can agree that, you know, us black women, 
some some of us act like you know we're 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 the black man's mother. We, we need to stop playing the mother role and playing the the, the 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 woman role. Everybody has a role in, in the relationship. You know what I'm saying? And the black woman, we don't let the man be the man. We always have an opinion on something. You know that scares a black man away. I, I also was talking to a black man that was dating outside of his race, and I asked him why. He said because he um the 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 black woman they. They, uh, he's scared to get in his feelings with the black woman because the black woman is so hard. Whereas the white woman, she asked him if something is wrong, what is wrong? How can I help? You know what I'm saying? She's not telling him to man up or, you know, don't feel that way. You know what I'm saying? So we all, we have a lot of work to do as a family. But like I say, I put a lot of pressure on a black man because they, to me, in my eyes, the black man is my leader. And, I, and I'm expecting for the leader to take charge. I feel like if they was to leave us that easy, though, then they didn't love us from the jump. Because it's just like, I had a lot of black men that burnt me too, that cheated on me, all type of horrible things that they done to me. But the fact that I love black people so much, I understand why you are the way that you are and I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to work with you. You don't have to be my mate, but I'm, I'm optimistic enough to know that there's another black man out there that would treat me better. You know, I do agree when you say that. We have that's why I say some sort of uh, self-knowledge, you know what I'm saying? So we can understand why the black man is so angry. We can understand why the white, I mean, we can understand why the black woman is so angry and why she's acting the way she's acting and why he acting the way he acting. How did you grow up? Yeah. How was your... Well, you that, that goes back to compatibility. We have to date with the science because to me, I think that the best thing that you could ever do for black people, period, is to raise a strong black family, to bring a That's strong black children. Got to have that family unit. You got to have that family. So you got to look inside yourself and figure out what am I doing that I hold my own people back? What am I doing that I hold myself back? Because black people that have the same eyes as white people, like let's Mm -hmm. be real, like a lot of these black elitists, like I've seen it myself, like they could be walking across the street and they see a black person that looks like, you know, they came from the hood and they will cross the street. Go right back into this. Across the street. So you're right. Black people do have a different range of issues, but I feel like everybody needs to look within and figure out what part can I play so that we can build a, a stronger community. What am I doing to hold myself back? How can That's I make my child better? You're right. If you if everybody okay. take care of themselves first, meaning like I was married for ten years, right? Uh-huh. Faithful, three kids, president of my kids' PTA. I held my wife's leg for all three of her pregnancy. First one to feed all my babies and all. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, we grew apart. In-laws issues, <laughs> all that stuff. But, uh, you know, before I started dating again, I took a year off and I was celibate for a year and a half. In that time, I ate better, hit the gym hard, meditated, prayed built myself up spiritually, set new goals and objectives. I became the best version of myself before I chose to date again. And, and I've been lucky because I was able to come across the divine queen that, that matched up with me with a science. Now, I'm about to touch on something. There's a reason why I'm saying this. In yeah. that time, when I tried to save my marriage and go back and get marriage counseling, I found out for my baby girl, my, my, my uh, ex-wife was seeing somebody else. I could have became angry Bitter, black woman hating, could have dated, jumped the boat, and went somewhere else. Right. But through the, the era of me crying all the time, being upset, hurt, 
Yeah, I was hurt. Yeah. I was a girl for 10 years. I, I, yeah. I sacrificed my, that's why I was in South Carolina, because of her. I could have mm -hmm. went to another state if I was single and made way more money, you know? But I was hurt and frustrated. I remember crying. Guess who came to my aid through that journey of me rebuilding myself, my brand, creating a podcast? The black woman. Not just one, but yeah, numerous. From, from, from different economic educational statuses, from being Deltas and, and the head of programs at the VA to all the way at the gas station. The sister was working at the gas station holding me down. Holding me down. And through that, I, I developed a greater love, commitment, and appreciation for black women. And I don't have one black woman do me dirty, but she don't define all the women out here in, in the community. I like you. I like that. That's how it's supposed to be. And you know, that's what I say. You know, a lot of some of us, you know, like you say, going back to the, 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 the men as they not said, like you said, they must, they don't have a self love, you know, or they don't have no knowledge of the, the, the nation and, you know, why she's acting like that or knowledge of the woman that she's with. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, the black woman holds down the black man so hard. Mm -hmm. She holds that black man down more than any other woman on this earth. I mean, for real, the, the black woman, the friends tell you, girl, leave them. The, the black woman ain't gonna do it. She loves that black man. Sometimes she should, though. Sometimes she should, though. If he ain't treating you like a queen, yo, I tell all sisters, he ain't treating you like a queen, you got to get rid of him. You can't ask for a king and you dating a peasant. Right. You can't. And you, you can't. Try to leave him because you know what? And then let him know what you left him so he can have that opportunity to think on it and do better with the next sister. That's right. If but he's see, conscious like enough to do that. That he, did, that he didn't let that, that one bad apple discourage him from um dating, you know, from dating his own people. He said, "No, that was just her. Mm -hmm. Shit, I got a queen now." And I don't even hate. I don't. I, I don't even hate my ex-wife. Like you like, don't gotta hate her. No, I, I don't. I don't hate her at all. Like like my biggest thing. You I pray. Right, because she the mother of my kid. She the mother of my kids. You still have respect for her. Yeah. It just didn't work out. Yeah, yeah she she the mother of my kids and stuff. So I'm not gonna dog her like that. We didn't work out. We were 28 when we got married. It was a learning lesson. Why I came out young? with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Right. You know, and I knew how to move different next time around. I knew what to look for in a bigger package and stuff. And and, and that's just but the way was, I still talk to her. I send her email every day and tell her to have a blessed day. Because cause guess what? If, if my baby mother, if my ex-wife is right, then my kids are right. Right. You, I, I like your mindset. You're powerful. Very. You're powerful. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, um, because this episode has been going a little long, and I know that you guys have prior obligations, so um, I'm going to go ahead and just ask for some closing remarks. Um, my closing remarks would be... How many, viewer do we, how many viewers do we have? Oh, I got to post it. Oh, you got to post it in it. Okay. Yeah. But um, so basically, like, I think the first step is separating yourself mentally before we can separate ourselves physically. So it's a lot of things that you've been programmed and conditioned to think you got to be able to unlearn that and relearn. Like prioritize your credit, prioritize your LLC, prioritize if that's the route that you want to take. Look within, figure out what am I doing that I need to change? What am I doing that makes me toxic? What, it, what can I do to contribute? These are questions that need answers. You know, the only person that can answer that is you. 
and then eventually we'll be able to have that unity. I think we can police our own communities. Yes, I am for defunding the police officers. Me as a trained mental health professional, I can do a better job at going in and orienting somebody to a reality when they're psychotic, that's a um, social work term, but it basically means like back to reality when their mind is. Um, yeah, everywhere. And, I mean, and they were trained to do the same. They choose not to. These officers, they don't have that training like I got. So I can go okay. there and do it. And then now, and also, it's a lot of people that's graduating with these social work degrees and now community that aren't real, aren't getting jobs. So that would be a perfect job for them. You know, so I definitely am for defunding the police and, and putting the money back into our communities, into rec centers, into mental health because because of the institutionalization, they shut down a lot of mental health centers. If you do that crime is going to drop significantly, significantly. Okay. Those are my closing words. What about you guys? What do you guys want to leave the viewers with? Um, I just want to say thank y'all for having me today again. Y'all can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Blacks of Blacks. Uh, represents unity, love, and respect for your kind. And um, I, I really hope that y'all got a message out of you know, what we were saying today and um, also just get closer. For me personally, my goal with Bless of Bless is to encourage you guys to get closer with your 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 nation, closer with yourself, do a lot more um, uh, research on self and in your nation. And, um, you know, and like Brianna was saying, you know, um, just try to better yourself and, and see exactly what you can do to, um, you know, contribute to the, the nation's issue. You know what I'm saying? So again, thank y'all for um, you know watching us today. It's totally been a blessing. If we all do a little, ain't nobody gotta do a lot. That's right. Yeah. That's right. My uh, my words is it's time to start nation building. But in order to nation build, you have to start with yourself first. You have to face your uh, inner demons, set goals for yourself, eat right, think healthy, mm -hmm. um, seek seek new skills. Just like I said college is not for everybody. I'm a father of three. I believe in skilled trades. We talk about building our community up to the men out there that's, that got jobs in carpentry work or electrician work. Take some of these young teenage black males with you and show them how to work wiring, how to use power tools and things. So instead of going to downtown and asking them to put a window up or a door up in a, in a store or a house in our community, let's get them hammer the tools out and do it ourselves. But we need self-love. We need access to wealth. And most importantly, it's time to heal and rebuild the black family first. Yes. I'm your host, the Red Baron of Boots yes. on the Street podcast. You can find me on iTunes, Spotify, Facebook. I keep it real. Thank you, America. I enjoy being on this panel today. Thank you.